Hey ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today's lesson begins with how we are to approach God. We're starting with chapter 5, verse 1 of Ecclesiastes. And he says, We are to guard our steps as we go to the house of God. It is funny to me how foreign this concept has become to us in America. God's our buddy, and since he's with us all the time, we have very little respect for God's house anymore. Then, number two, we are to draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifices of fools. How many of us really think as we enter church, I am here, H-E-R-E, to hear, H-E-A-R, from the Lord? Now, in like manner, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We are to have a life of worship. But do we come even to our quiet time and open the Bible in order to hear from the Lord? Or are we just checking it off of our list of things to do today? Number three, we are not to be hasty in word or impulse in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on the earth. Therefore, your words be few. Here we see God is the creator and we are the created. Yet, I will say, in the New Testament, on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, the Lord Jesus does say we are to ask of the Lord. And then number four, when you make a vow to God, don't be late in paying it. Pay what you owe. It's better to not vow than to vow and not pay. Don't let your speech cause you to sin. Also in the Sermon on the Mount, this time in chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, Jesus goes even further and says, Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make hair white or black, but let your statement be yes. Yay, or no, no. Anything beyond this is evil. In other words, we shouldn't need to make a vow. Our word should be good enough. Solomon then tells us, number five, that we are to fear God. That's found in verse seven. In C. Hassel Bullock's book, An Introduction to the Old Testament Poetic Books, he says, This is far more than an emotional disposition. The fear of God included the conduct of worship and ethical department, or in other words, our ethical behavior. In verses 8 and 9, Solomon addresses an oppressive political system. And then from chapter 5, verse 10 through chapter 6, we see the folly of riches. Number one, those who love money are not satisfied. Number two, those who hoard money can actually hurt themselves. Number three, again, Koheleth reminds us you can't take the wealth beyond the grave. Verse 18 says, 
Here is what I've seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, to enjoy oneself in all of one's labor, which he toils under the sun, during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward, and when that happens, it is a gift of God. What Kohelet is talking of is contentment of life, and without that, life is futile. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul made some similar comments in Philippians chapter 3. He talks about his beneficial upbringing, and then starting with verse 7, he says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived by the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Then Paul ends his letter in chapter four and he says, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means and I know how to live in prosperity In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ladies, contentment comes not with or without money or things. Contentment comes with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Then Koheleth, the assembler goes into a section of what Bullock calls miscellaneous proverbs. The first group starts with chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. These are written in parallelism like proverbs, and in this section we see lessons to be learned in death and in life. There is also a comparison going on between wisdom and folly. Verse 13 says, Consider the work of God, For who is able to strengthen what he has bent? We need to be careful, ladies, that we are not working against God, because if we are, we will fail every time. Verses 15 through 25 are proverbs about how to live a balanced life. I always smile when I read verse 16. Do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourselves? Amen. Amen. Then verse 20 says, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. The apostle John in his first letter wrote, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then John gives us hope. He gives us a promise. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from 
all unrighteousness. Do you see that word? All. Doesn't mean part of your sin. Doesn't mean the sins in the past. And then you've got to worry about the ones. It says all unrighteousness. With the blood of Jesus and the price that he paid, we are fully cleansed. Then in verses 21 and 22 of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, there are some words that I try to take to heart. Also, do not take seriously all words which are spoken, so that you will not hear your servant cursing you, for you also have realized that you likewise have many times cursed others. We are so easily offended, ladies, and not so easy to forgive. But we need to remember our faults as well, our words as well, and we therefore need to show grace to one another. In verses 26 through 29, Koheleth talks about a wayward woman. One thing Bullock says in his book is the conduct of men since Adam, Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 12, in trying to exonerate themselves of guilt by transferring the culpability to women is neither noble nor endorsed by scripture. It is indicative of the weakness of the male species rather than his innocence. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, Koheleth addresses human authority. In the New Testament, Paul adds that we are to pray for those who are in authority because God has placed them there. And that's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Then verses 10 through 13 compares those who fear God and those who don't. And in verse 12, Koheleth says, Still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. In other words, are willing to show to the world that they fear God. Verses 14 and 15, Koheleth says that the retribution principle, the one that says those who do good get blessed and those who don't get cursed, That does not always apply, which Job pointed out so well for us. Then our last two verses for today, Koheleth says, When I gave my heart to know wisdom, to see the task which has been done on the earth, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though man seeks laboriously, he will not discover Even though he says, I know, he cannot discover it. Here we see Koheleth, the assembler, seeking wisdom. And he says, I can't fully find it. He sought money, and that's vanity. He sought women, vanity. He sought pleasure, vanity. He sought possessions and stuff, vanity. He sought work, vanity. He sought food and wine, vanity. He sought all that his eyes wanted, and it's vanity. Koaleth couldn't find wisdom, but the Old Testament has a promise because God says through the prophet Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. We are to seek the Lord. That is not vanity. That can be fulfilled. 
That is a promise from God. The Lord Jesus in the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 verses 33 and 34 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ladies, if we seek after God with all of our hearts, we will find him. And that, my friends, is not vanity. That is not futile. That is not empty. That is what fills that eternity in our hearts, like in chapter 3, verse 11 of Ecclesiastes. Because Jesus is eternal. And when we do that, Jesus takes care of all of the rest of the stuff. So ladies, if you hear God's voice today, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who seek and find and pray and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.